0: Hey guys, just a heads up that this is a gambling heavy podcast. If that's not your thing or your cup of tea, not to worry. We'll catch you next time.
1: Hi there and welcome back to the ESPN footy podcast. Hello everybody,
0: welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast, a very special episode of the ESPN Footy Podcast because we are going to be doing a massive Brownlow preview. Jake Michaels, if you know, uh, ESPN.com.au if you haven't seen it, has a massive Brownlow predictor every year that he does and the amount of research he's put in this season has been phenomenal. We've got spreadsheets in front of us, we've got colour coded bits and pieces and he's here to share all his wisdom and so is Christian Jolly from Champion Data who's going to try and challenge him and see what Champion Data has done differently to just Jake,
1: Jake. Firstly, to you, uh, would you describe this as your Christmas? It is. I think I said this last year. It is my Christmas. It's my favourite sporting event of the year. You have, a, you have a look in your eyes. That's like an eight-year-old on December twenty-fourth. I love it. I, I, I must. I, I, don't know if there's a person in the on the planet that like that enjoys the Brownlow Medal as much as I do. I if love. If you think it.
0: you do, footy tips on Twitter. Let us know, and uh, we'll challenge you to a a Brownlow off with Jake.
1: Yes, we'll do a, we'll do a we'll do a quiz off.
0: <laughs> I think you'll win, yep. uh, Christian Jolly from Champion Data. Good to have you in the studio once again to talk all things Brownlow. You're probably not quite as obsessed as he is. Uh yeah, safe to say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, before we get cracking, um, firstly, Jake, I guess just to give everyone a bit of context as to why you're this research and why you do love the Brownlow. What is it about the Brownlow night and the the whole count and all this sort of stuff that has you so interested?
1: Yeah, I've said this a few times, but I think the the unique thing about the Brownlow medal is it's one of those sporting events, if you want to call it a sporting event, where from a betting and wagering point of view, you can make your decisions after having seen everything. And the, the sort of example I always give is it's like watching a game without a score and then you go back. And you try and work out who won the game without actually seeing the score. And so you can kind of work things out. Now, it's not a perfect science. The umpires won't always get it right. Oh, it's subjective. It is subjective. Yeah, there was a game last year where I was convinced Jack Steele was going to get three votes. He didn't get a vote. So it's not always right. And you can't say anything's an absolute guarantee. But you can make some educated guesses and a little bit of research goes a long way. And as you said, I do put a lot of time into this. What goes up on uh, the website uh, is is our ESPN uh, Brownlow Predictor. There's a few other bits and pieces I have in front of me as well, which we'll share. Some goodies. We'll share. Um, but yeah, it, it is it is one of those unique events, and that's and that's why I love it because you can find some real value. It's a fun night to watch. Um, and. Yeah, Gil's last one. It is. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Good point. Um, in this podcast, we're going to look at the overall leaders, who we think is going to finish inside the top 10. We're going to go team by team and look at who might take out the crown for most votes for each team. Uh, and then we're going to look at some quirky best bets for the night that Jake has sort of put together because um, he hasn't had much else to do. I mean, look look at these spreadsheets. I'm, I'm just flabbergasted. You've, gone, you've actually gone to the printer and you've color-coded and tabbed these. First so thing I've printed here in a while. It, it certainly is. So you can tell that he's put his research in. Um, firstly, I guess... How, how? Well, explain to the listeners I know you've explained it a couple of times in, in previous pods But uh, for anyone who's new to the show What makes your Brownlow
1: predictor so unique? Well, there are a couple out there now that do a similar sort of thing So I will start by saying that But the vast majority, when you're talking about Brownlow Brownlow uh, predictors Will go three, two, one. 3 for the best player on the ground 2 for the second 1 for the third well, that's best how player on the ground done on And the that's Monday how night. it's done So yeah. it seems to make sense doing that the problem with that is I find that there's not much margin. You've got a large margin for error. If you're, if two players have had a really good game and you give one three and one two and you're wrong, then you're already one off. And over the course of 23 rounds, that adds up and you're a considerable way off. So you want to have a small margin for error and you want to reduce that. So what I try, what I do with mine and as I said there are a couple of others that do this as well so I'm not saying it is completely 100% we the first mine well yeah. we won't go into into <laughs> that but we'll give half votes so Basically, we'll give any amount of votes up to six because you still got to give six you can't give nine votes And then you're giving more you every game has six votes, so you can allocate six votes However, you want if there's a clear best player on the ground I'll give them three as I said if there's someone if there are two players that that sort of vying for the best player on the ground It's a 2.5 Sometimes it might even be a 2.5 to 1.5 if there were three players that were really good and but but they were kind of one was a little bit better but not enough to sort of say secure that three votes Mm. so it's all about having the smallest margin of error over the course of the season and this i believe and and i've proven that this is what it does uh more so than just the standard three two one i
0: was about to ask you how successful has your predictor been in previous years not to
1: brag, but seven oh, yeah. seven you've, of the you've you've written the run sheet for this episode and you've said I have not. give it another plug <laughs> Se- seven of the last eight winners I've got. but having said that, um anyone that's followed the Brownlow, there's been about four of those eight which have been quite obvious they were real odds on short fa- short price favorites so uh, but we did get Ollie wines last year and that was a really tight count and this one's gonna be very similar. so two years in a row, it's been, um, sort of throw a blanket over four or five guys. Uh
0: Christian Champion Data doesn't give half votes. What's the uh the rationale behind uh, Champion Data's uh brownley predictor?
1: No, we do. So You it's,
0: give half votes. It's
2: very similar. I mean, we don't Did you copy him? No, no, they No, we, it's not quite half votes. So again, we've got we know there's six votes per game and we right. sort of oh, we so you go point yep, to a point. so we've uh, got you know 2 2.3 1.5. And interesting, there I think the highest we've got is 2.8 for a game. So there's no game in this season, I don't think there was last season where we're we're one hundred percent sure that this guy's going to get three votes. So even the highest, you know, most probable is two point eight. But again, it it is. It's looking at the six votes across a game, um, looking at that match, um, and looking at the where stats have been won, how many stats you've won, the result of the game, and previous polling history, or as we call sort of previous umpire bias, also comes into play. So how do
0: you calculate that?
2: So again, it's just looking at you know if Ollie Wines is. You know Continually We Last three years We had Ollie Wines Getting 1.2 votes And he kept getting Threes from the umpires We'd realise that we, He's actually You know More looked after By the umpires Or more noticed By the umpires So we have weightings To those sort of players So again That's probably One of the issues With this Brownlow predictor I think we do Very very well With the top 10 5 or 10 I think very similar Both years with Jake But it is It's probably There's going to be A couple of players That probably A, a year behind That Someone like Connor Rose Is a great example This year Um uh, expect him you know maybe to get poll in four or five or six different games. We've got him getting I think eight eight votes at the moment and about twelve away from Ollie Wines. But again, Ollie Wines is being pumped up from previous polling history. Right. Connor Rosie sort of hasn't had that previous polling history, so doesn't get boosted up. It'll sort it. will almost be twelve months away before S- Connor Rosie if he starts to get a few
0: votes this year. Yeah. it'll work into our. So you yeah, in have Rosie next polling year. potentially eight votes, and then you said Ollie oh, Wines at about twenty.
2: Yeah, twenty. 20.9, yeah, 21. So just
0: just for like the sake of put, pitting you guys against one another, just before we get cracking, mm. what has Rosie and what has Wines got on yours, Jake?
1: Uh, I've got Rosie on 20, and I've got Wines on 16. So there you go. So you you've actually got Connor Rosie with more
0: votes yes. than Wines, whereas Champion Data because of that weighting yep. Yep. is is going the other now, way. Now
1: now the weighting is very much a thing, and it's and and it's 100. We've seen this over the course of the year. Look at Toop Miller last year. Everyone, including myself, expected him to poll mid-20s. He only polled 17 votes. Now, we sort of s- often see that overcorrection the following year mm. where the umpires start to notice him a little bit more. Plus, it doesn't help that Gold Coast won a few extra games. So so Miller's, Miller's an interesting one this year. You know, he's the kind of player that plays well almost every week and wouldn't be surprised if those no vote games start to turn into ones and ones to twos. And over the course, again, over the course of that year, that makes a massive difference. And that's enough from to be able to go from sort of 17, 18 votes to the mid 20 to high 20s. So it, look, it is going to be a really interesting count. And as I said at the start, two years in a row where we haven't had an obvious winner going into it. And I think that's what, I think there was a period where we had probably four years in a row where it felt like it was a foregone conclusion. So people weren't overly interested but when you go into the night with five or six live chances, mm-hmm. I think it's quite an exciting night to see who actually takes it home.
0: Well, you said there, there might be a few live chances. Let's run through both of your top tens just to sort of see where, firstly, your predictor is at, Jake, and then how champion data compares.
1: Yeah, so the top ten, I'll, I'll start with ten. So I've got tenth, uh, Sam Walsh. Ninth is Callum Mills. So Sorry, ten, Sam Walsh on 19 votes. Callum Mills, 19.5. Uh, then I've got eighth is Connor Rosie on 20. Seventh, Jeremy Cameron, 20.5. Then a tie for fifth with Miller and Petrarca, both twenty-four. Uh, 26.5, fourth place is Andy Brayshaw. Uh, third is Patrick Cripps from the Blues on 27 votes. And then I actually for the first time have a tie for the for the medal with Lockie Neal and Clayton Oliver tied on 30. So that's the first time I've actually it's come out with a tie overall. Um, both on 30 votes. So it'll be very interesting to see uh, how it goes on the night between those two.
0: If you had to, like, talking about maybe maybe doing a bit of your own umpire bias, if you had to say one might lean, the umpires might lean towards one of those guys a little more, do you have a, a preference of who you might, if you had to split them one and two?
1: If I had to split them one and two, I'd probably go Neil and Oliver. Yep. Um, But not with a great deal of certainty because I think Oliver's the kind of player, as I said before, he plays well every week. He's a hard player. Some players are easier to determine how they'll go. So for example, Patrick Cripps and Christian Petrarca are the two players. They're usually the best player on the ground or then just not in the votes. So it's it's usually a lot of 3s or nothing. Miller, Oliver really tricky because they're good every week and a lot of ga- even in losses, a lot of games you can make the case that they should be getting two votes. So it's really difficult to tell uh, how they'll go. I would probably lean on Neil just, but I think Oliver will poll in more games than Neil. Fair enough. Uh, Christian, how does your top 10 differ to Jake's? Yeah, a few different names there. So starting from 10th, we've
2: got Cam Guthrie uh, on 17. I'll I'll use the decimal points as well. So 17.3 votes. Took Miller at 9th, 19.1. Ollie Wines, 19.7. Christian Petrarca, 6th, at uh, 20.9. Sam Walsh at 5th. Uh, twenty-two point, Sorry, Petrarca was 22.5 and Sam Walsh was 22.8 And fifth. Fourth is Clayton Oliver, uh, 25.3. Or Sorry, equal third with Andrew Brayshaw, who's also at 25.3. And our top two, yeah, Patrick Cripps at second, 27.1. And we got Lockie Neal as a clear winner, 28.9.
0: Interestingly, no
1: one above 30 votes. Whereas, Jake, you had two players split on 30. Two on 30, yeah. And at the start of the year, if you guys remember, um, Andy Brayshaw, Cripps... Petrarca started with two two best on grounds in a row. It looked like we could have four players again polling over thirty votes. Uh, we did last year. We had four guys poll thirty. So um, I think I think twenty nine thirty is probably the, the number this year that 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 the winner will poll twenty nine to thirty one. I'd be saying would be around about where the winner lands. Fair enough. Uh, moving on to say a team
0: by team sort of prospect. I know that this is popular with punters out there. Uh, who are looking sort of beyond just the winner to sort of see where there might be some value. Of course, Gamble responsibly. We're not affiliated with any betting company on this podcast here. but Not yet. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you feel like you know having, having a flutter. Um, Jake, if you were to go through club by club, who have you got leading the Crows, for instance?
1: Yeah, I guess some of these are, are, are probably quite obvious, but we can probably just go through each team and uh, just compare what we've got and sort of whip through them. So, yeah, I'll start with Adelaide. About it? So, Rory Laird, uh, I've got on 17. Yeah, sixteen point seven for Rory Laird. Yeah, Key's second on thirteen, so um, he's a he's a few in front. Laird is one of the more interesting players in my whole prediction, my my top fifty. I have said a couple of times of, of any player in my top fifty that I'm unsure about most, it's Rory Laird purely because of his he's 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 such a high disposal winner. He's a contested player. He's a tackler. The umpires love players that tackle. But they haven't won many games, Adelaide. So it's like, how well is he going to go? Because if they, if if Adelaide had won twice as many games, he'd be he'd be up there with all the favourites. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, Laird's an interesting one. Brisbane, I think it's pretty obvious. It's locking Neil on top. As I said, got thirty ahead of uh, Hugh McCluggage on thirteen point five. So that's a big gap. Yeah. So that's it. Feels like you, you're not really going to get any value there. Yeah, we're
2: similar. We've got Lockie Neal at 28.9 votes, as I said, and humor Cluggage 9.7. And again, we sort of do a you know a percentage of most likely to lead your club. Uh, going back to Rory Land, I think we had him as a 65% chance to lead Adelaide's votes by the end of the night. 99% chance for Lockie Neal
0: on our spreadsheet. Yeah, something enough to go wrong there. Uh, um, Paddy Cripps and Sam Walsh must be pretty close uh, on, on both of you. Yeah, Paddy,
1: Paddy Cripps 27, Sam Walsh 19. So uh, enough of a gap there to to be pretty confident taking Cripps for the top of the Blues. Yeah,
2: 27.1, 22.8, the difference between the two.
1: Collingwood's where it gets a little bit
0: tricky. There's a few... We said this on the pod a couple of weeks ago, mm. that you said that they were such an even team. Them and Sydney are hard to kind of pick because they are, have even contributions and players pop up at different times of the year.
1: Yeah, there, there's really... Uh, but I've actually got no Collingwood player polling 10 votes. They're, they're, it's such an even spread. So I've got Jack Crisp, 9.5, Nick Dacos, 9.5. Uh, Scott Penelbury seven, Josh Dacos six point five, To DeGowie five point five. So a lot of names around that mark. Probably probably have five or six names polling between eight and ten by the end of the night, I would imagine. Is
0: that strange considering they finished in the top four? Like you normally expect
1: the teams that win a lot, the better teams, to to have higher polling players. You would, but also then you can look at other names like Elliott and Ginevan and Lipinski, Maynard, Sidebottom Adams, Majacek. They've all had their games where they've they've played well. So there hasn't been that standout player that's just been week in, week out doing it and because they are that consistent team. Anyone yeah. stand out for
0: you?
2: Yeah, definitely. So, Nick Dacos, uh, 11 votes ahead of Scott Pendlebury six. And obviously talked about polling uh, history and previous bias coming into play to sort of pump up votes. Nick Dacos doesn't have that in yet, so that's 11 straight votes that's interesting uh, just given based that, on yeah. his stats. So, again, seems to be the Prowler predictor. Certainly likes Nick Dacos.
1: Mm. Uh, moving on to the Bombers, Zach Merritt, um, once again, top uh, there on seventeen.
2: Yeah, we got yeah, six, 16.9, so the same thing, almost twice as much as second. Darcy yeah, Parish. I've got
1: Parrish on 11.5, Had missed quite a few games. Interesting. Interestingly, Merritt is the only player I've got in the, the whole count at any point who could potentially pull five best on grounds in a row between round 16 uh, and round 20. He's, his back end of the year was insane. Uh, as we spoke about on the podcast. So, um, yeah. Could come home with if, a wet if, sail. If you if back Merritt to, uh, to top Essendon's, uh, Essendon's count and you get to the buys and he's only on about two votes, don't panic just yet. He'll he'll come home <laughs> strong. Um, Frio, another pretty obvious one. We both had Brayshaw quite high up in our predictors. I've got him on 26.5 ahead of uh, Will Brody, who who's obviously had a really good first season at the Dockers on 12.5.
2: Yeah, Dockers a hard one for us as well. 25.3 for Brayshaw. I mean, we've got... Will Brody 7th at Frio Um, but even 2nd to 4th are quite close Rory Lobb, Sean Darcy and Luke Ryan all between sort of, you know, 0.9 of each other so very hard to sort of predict who will get 2nd most but yeah, Brayshaw's going to get the bulk of their votes
1: I think we differ on the Cats Um, Jeremy Cameron who I reckon about around 17, 18 we actually said on the pod, can he win it? Um, I've got him 20.5 leading pretty comfortably from Cam Guthrie 14
2: yeah, so the other way around, Cam Guthrie was 17.3, Jeremy Cameron 14.9, and a lot of that is polling bias going the other way. Jeremy Cameron has previously had big games where he didn't poll votes, so that comes into it as well, mm. sort of saying that he he almost has to produce a lot more, going by previous history, he has to produce a lot more within a game than Cam Guthrie to get the umpires to notice him.
1: Yeah, Cameron is, Cameron sort of falls into that Cripps-Petrarca bucket I was talking about at the start of the start of the pod, where he does have a lot of games where he looks to be the clear best player on the ground he'll, he'll kick his goals he, he works his way up the ground and he looks like he's the best player on the ground but you made a great point a week or two ago when we were talking about Cam Guthrie Geelong Geelong ended up being the best team in the league who's their best midfielder for the year it's been Cam Guthrie
2: really and probably it doesn't come to people's minds straight away you probably have to have a look at the numbers and sort of just to remember and it's like yeah Cam Guthrie has been more consistent this year than Duncan Salwood, Dangerfield
1: the previous names hmm um, the Suns, another pretty obvious one uh, Miller, 24, expect him to poll really well uh, after last year as we spoke about before. Second is Noah Anderson who um, will actually feature in one of my better bets. I've got him on 10 here but he, he um, I think he could surprise. There's a little bit to be said about t- midfield teams, their second best player, polling better than expected. Uh, so keep an eye on Noah Anderson. Yeah, we got Noah Anderson second as well,
2: 13.9 and Third is Matt Rowell, 11.5. And again, just an interesting number. We talked about, I spoke about earlier, we got percentage of most likely to you know, finish ahead in the club count. So Took Miller, at 19.7, was 57% chance to win Gold Coast count. Uh, Noah Anderson, uh, 13.9 votes, 24% chance to win the votes, uh, to win the count. And then Matt Rowell, who's 11.5 votes, are so predicted to get fewer votes, but our prediction is 25% chance to actually lead Gold Coast. So again, it just shows that Matt Rowell at the moment, we're predicting him to get 0. Mm. 0. 0.6 0. 7 because he hasn't got the previous polling history but those types of games can get you the two votes yeah. so if umpires start to sort of fall in love with Matt Rowell he could end up second at Gold Coast
1: and there will be players that will look back on um, at the end of this at the end of the Brownlow and say gee he, he polled better than we expected and vice versa I think Jack McRae last year was one a lot of people thought was g- going gonna to poll uh, quite high, and he was very high up in Champions predicted too, and mine, and he, he polled quite poorly, so there will be names that we'll, we'll look back on this time next year. The Giants, I got it super close as well. Josh Kelly 11, Steve Canelio 10, very tight there, hard to, hard to pick a winner there.
2: Yeah, you got Canelio 12.6, three votes ahead of Josh Kelly, 9.6. So
1: mm. One of my, um one of my, to, to be completely honest, I, and we're going through these just to, to give to give everyone a bit of an idea as to where we are and sort of what what sort of themes sort of emerge. But I find picking a lot of these can be a little bit hit and miss because we do talk about some players, when, you, when you're talking about lower down the votes, one game, you miss one game and you, you're kind of screwed. you know. Whereas you're talking about the guys that are potentially polling 14 games. If you miss one, it's not disastrous. So I don't bet too much on these uh, team totals, but one I actually quite like, and I think he's quite decent value, is Hawthorns. Uh, i got Jack Gunston leading it at 9, with 9 votes. You can currently get 5-1 to one on him to top Hawthorne. So I've got him just narrowly ahead of James Sisley, 8.5, Tom Mitchell, 8, and John Newcomb, 7.5. I think Hawthorne, a um, bit like Collingwood, a bit throw a blanket over a few names there.
2: Yeah, again, previous polling history sort of helps Tom Mitchell get up on top of ours at so 10.8 um,
1: with Jack Gunston, yeah, second, 6.9. Mm, I think Gunston had probably three games where I wouldn't be surprised if he picked up all three votes, so... Uh, yeah, keep an eye on Jack Gunston. Um, Oliver for Melbourne, once again, second year in a row. Uh, I've got him top, topping Melbourne's, as I said, I've got him uh, topping the whole thing, with tying with Lachie Neal on 30. And then Christian Petrarca, 24, and Max Gorn, 15. Yeah, we've
2: got Jack Viney, actually, for So Clayton Oliver, 25.3, Petrarca, 22.5, Gorn, 16.4, and Viney, 10.9. So again, yeah, four sort of players mm. to get 10 votes or more
0: I know just the listing of names and numbers isn't always great on radio for those who are probably more visual learners. but again ESPN.com.au forward slash AFL Jakes Brownlow Predictor is here and it has all of these numbers on it so if you want to follow along uh, feel free to pull this up and, and you can sort of um, sort
1: of pinpoint where these players are on his list yeah you can get all this information up there um, but yeah please do please do uh, join the party and, and have a look uh, North we're getting through them here so Luke Davies Uniac great second half of the season Got him on eight, narrowly ahead of uh, Nick Larkey, 6.5, Jai Simpkin 6.
2: Yeah, you got uh, Luke Davies, Uniac, uh, ahead of Jai Simpkin, so Nick, Nick Larkey drops to third for us with three votes. But yeah, Luke Davies, Uniac, 10 votes to Jai Simkin S- Jai Simpkin 6. Just surprised to see recently that Luke Davies, uh, sorry, Jai Simpkin took out the BNF ahead of Luke Davies because mm. I would have mm. thought he was a shoe in for that as well.
1: Well, one of the interesting ones last year, One of the one of the, uh, something we spoke about on last year's episode of the, the podcast the Brownlow podcast special was who was going to top North Melbourne's um, count last year and it was almost almost a coin flip between Ben Cunnington and Jai Simpkin and Cunnington polled 15 votes Simpkin polled one so it does come back to what we've been talking about players known known quantities and players standing out to umpires so interesting to see how Jai Simpkin goes this year not that he's expected to poll many votes with North not winning too many games Port Adelaide, we spoke about it at the start. I've got Rosie twenty, Wines sixteen. I think yours has flipped around. Yeah,
2: even even dropping Rosie to third. So we've got uh, Wines twenty point nine. Actually got Boak ahead of Rosie at twelve point nine. As I said, yeah, Rosie at nine. So again, previous polling history really gets mm. pumped up for Wines and Boak.
1: Richmond's an interesting one. Dion Prestia I've got seventeen. Now he missed he's missed four games and he's been subbed out of a couple. I've got him seventeenth. Uh, sorry, I've got him with 17 votes ahead of Bolton on 16.5, and Lynch, who obviously came storming home uh, on 11. So Preske is an interesting one, and even with my predictor, I kind of look at it, and I'm a little sceptical thinking, with that many games he missed and being subbed out of games, can he poll that many? But I do have him on 17. Yeah, he's probably, along with Rosie, is probably the
2: biggest differential that me and you have got. So we got Tom Lynch topping Richmond's count uh, with third... Uh, yeah, 13.0 Shy Bolton second 10.3 and we got Dion Prestia 43rd overall with 9.2 so you've got him top 20 we've got him outside the top 40. Mm.
0: So still clear of anything Prestia. <laughs> we'll keep an eye on that uh, in uh
1: episodes coming up. Maybe after the grand final we can have a a look. Jack Steele obviously missed mo- uh, a fair chunk of the second half of the season uh through injury. I think he missed 5 5 or 6 games, but he still probably comes out on top for the Saints 13.5. And then there's a few names, uh, probably four or five votes back. Gresham, Crouch, Higgins, Sinclair.
2: Yeah, we got Steele clear head and Crouch probably a clear second.
1: Yeah, an underrated season from Brad Crouch. Sydney, we spoke about Sydney before, uh, comparing them to Collingwood. Yes, they are similar in terms of... um they... and evenness. Yeah, but I think Callum Mills probably does come out on top at the end of the day. 19.5 ahead of Chad Warner, 14, and Luke Parker, who is a proven vote poller on thirteen. Yeah, Callum Mills, nine point one. As I said, we
2: got him ninth, fifteen point eight for Parker. Who we've got sort of sitting fourteenth at the moment.
1: Grim reading for the Eagles with uh, the top vote getter only really potentially getting five votes with Josh Kennedy, um, and three of them likely to come in they, his farewell game. <laughs> uh, so I've got Kennedy five, and then yeah, you can you can throw a blanket over a few others. Tim Kelly three point five, McGovern and Rioli three.
2: Yeah, very similar. 4.2 for Kennedy. Um, I think, yeah, you're right. So 2.8 of our votes have come from that final round alone. And yeah, 2.8 for Kelly, I think. Even looking at Tim Kelly,
1: it's, it's probably about three or four games we've got him a chance to poll in, which is mm-hmm. really, really low. And lucky last, um, the Bulldogs is one where if you can find the, the winner here, you'll you'll do well because we have probably not sure about yours, but I got five very tight. So Tom Liberatore, 11.5. Bond and Pally, 11, Dunkley, 11, Smith, 9.5, and McRae, 9. I wouldn't be surprised if any of those guys finished the night on top for the Doggies. Yeah,
2: we got Bond probably safely in
1: front, 14.4. Um,
2: again, 60% chance to top their count. Bailey Smith's the second at uh, 12.1, giving him a 17% chance to um, top their count. And then McRae, Dunkley, um, pretty close in third and fourth
0: there you go uh, that's a team by team look Jake if you had to having sort of cast your eye over all the bits and pieces and taken in all the data uh, like I said you've got spreadsheets upon spreadsheets in front of you here if you had to look at some things where you go there's a bit of value there for someone who wants to take advantage of this what are your areas that you're looking at
1: gamble responsibly as always as we'll always stress but there are a few things. So last year, I I said it, people always ask me because I do I do have a lot of interest in this, and a lot of people always come up to me and say, "What's the best thing to bet on?" I
0: just come up to you on the street today and they well, say, "You're Jake Michaels from ESPN." No,
1: I'm not saying that. <laughs> Friends and, and <laughs> other people around they do, right. um, and they say, "What's the who's going to win?" Who's going to win is always the question I get asked, and usually, as I said, when we had uh, some of those winners back to Tom Mitchell and Patrick Dangerfield and Dusty, where they were just they were paying nothing. There's no value in picking the winner. This year, I think there is value in picking the winner, and I, and and despite the fact that I've said I've got the tie, I would be staking money on both Neil and Oliver. You bet on both of them, and you're going to probably turn your full stake into a times sort of one point eight betting on both of them when each of each will win. I think you can get about three thirty and three eighty five on those guys respectively at the moment. Outside of that, I always sort of say, then how? What do you want to do with your money? Do you want to take a big risk for for a big reward? Or do you want to play it as safe as possible? And what's the safest way to double your money? And that's something I like to look at each year. So the safest way to double your money, and this was correct last year as well, not no guarantees this year, gamble responsibly, but the best way in my mind to double your money this year would be to multi these six uh six legs together. So you want Clayton. We, can, we old, cannot stress enough how much this is not advice. This is just uh This is just, just, us just some chatting. pontificating, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Clayton Oliver top five, Lockie Neal top five, Patrick Cripps most Carlton votes, Callum Mills most Sydney votes, and then Ollie Wines top 20, Zach Merritt top 20. That will more than double your money if those six come up, and I think they're all quite likely. I think people are sleeping on Ollie Wines a bit, and Merritt's back half of the year, as I said before, where he had five games in a row, where I reckon in those five games he's at minimum going to poll 13 votes, so... Uh, yeah, I think that's probably the best way to double your money. If you had to go a riskier option, so then there's a couple of other ones. I think there's people look at sort of where teams, where where players can finish in terms of rankings. Um, there's really not a huge amount of value just picking one particular player for a top three or a top five or a top ten finish. But top twenty, I'll give you two. I think Max Gorn is a dollar sixty five to finish top twenty. I think he's extremely likely to finish. Top twenty. He he has polled votes. Finished top twenty last year, uh, I believe. And he's the kind of player that I know. I always talk about. I'm not a big huge fan of Ruckman, but everyone <laughs> loves him. The umpires love him. I, and I think a dollar sixty-five is over the odds. There is he in Champion Data's top twenty. Yeah, we got him at thirteenth.
0: So safely. In safely there. inside.
1: Yeah So I've got him at fifteenth. I think. Um, but you also want to look at, it's not just so much the position, it's its if, if you're saying you're going to pick him for top 20 and you've got him 15th, well, how many votes is he from 21st? That's what you sort of want to be looking at because it doesn't matter if he's 10th, if there's two votes split in 10th and 20th. So you want to kind of look at that margin for error you've got again. On the other side of that, the, the riskier option for top 20 is a player we spoke about before is Noah Anderson. Now, he's not in my top 20, but, I could, but in term, for, for someone who's 8-1 to one to finish top 20, and as I said, there's something to be said about players, the second best player on a good team, not a great team, but one at your midfield won 11 team. Games. They won 11 games. Uh, Miller will take the vast majority of votes, as we expect. But who's been their second best player? And I think it's clearly been Noah Anderson. Noah Anderson, yeah, eight dollars you can currently get for him to finish top twenty. I think that's pretty
2: good value. We got him sitting eighteenth at the moment, and again, using your, you know, from twenty-first, I think he's a good one point eight votes ahead, uh, mm. sitting in there. So.
1: Anything else before we wrap things up, Jake? A couple of other little markets. Uh, most three-vote games, I'll be taking Crips uh, at about a dollar ninety-one. He is. I've got him in potentially getting nine. Um, I think Neil was eight. Um, so I'd, pro- I'd be pretty comfortable taking taking the the punt on Crips there for the most, and then most games polled would probably be Clayton Oliver again for the for um it was Ollie Wines last year, but Clayton Oliver looks like looks like there's 15 or 16 chances where he can poll votes this year, and I think it's it's not a you're not going to win a huge amount at 157, but I think that's a pretty reasonably safe one too. But I'll leave you with I'll leave you with what I think is the overall best bet. Of the whole brown lot, responsibly. And it, it's not. Sometimes it's Quinella, Sometimes it's trifectas. Because there's four guys that are pretty tightly bunched up at the moment. Well, there's really five. But what I'm what I'm gonna be looking at is your first four. You want to box your first four. You don't want to go. Uh, you don't want to go in order because it's too risky. One vote will kill you. You want to box your first four. So any these players in any order to finish top four. So you want Neil Oliver Cripps Brayshaw in one and you want Neil Oliver Cripps and Miller as a separate. Now the first one's paying 650, the second one's paying 9. Again, you stake money on both, you're going to you're going to 3.5 to th- to four times your money based on whichever one wins. Um and you you stagger that so it's the winnings are about the same I think they're quite likely and if you're a little the only other the, it feels the only player that could ruin that would be Petrarca, and if you're a little nervous about Petrarca, you can buy a little bit of Christian Petrarca insurance for sort of his over over total on how many votes he'll get maybe you take the over on 24.5 at, at two to one or something like that but I think they're pretty good value and I think the top the top sort of six guys I think it's pretty safe to say that they'll be around the mark at the end of the night. There you go. Well, like I said, ESPN.com.au forward
0: slash AFL. The full list of players is there if you want to have a look at Jake's goodness. And I, I, look, I said it at the start and in a jokey way, but I'm being honest, this is the most research I think I've ever seen him do. <laughs> and it's a hell of a lot of research and... If I was a betting man, maybe I'd be confident in passing this along to some friends and family, but I'm not. Uh, and if you are, please do gamble responsibly. Christian, thanks for your input and Champion Data's input as well. It's always nice to have uh, Jake and, and his knowledge sort of bounce off yours. And, and to be honest, it's it's pretty similar with, with the, the exception of a couple
1: of bits and pieces here and there. Um, well... We'll see how we go, won't we? Yeah, and feel free to hit us up on uh, on the socials. Uh, we had a few people reaching out last year. At Michaels um, one nine three. Michaels. ESPN. ESPN. J yes. Michaels. ESPN. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not on. ES, uh, I'm not on Twitter a huge amount, but I will see it and I will get back to you. Um, or or just reach out to the our podcast uh, channel as well. We'll answer questions. If you got any thoughts, if you want to run anything by us, let us know. We'll try and help you out as best we can. Um, and yeah, and enjoy the night. It's it should be. It should be a fun one. Uh, it's always good, well, as I've said a couple of times, it's always good when it's uh, when you go into the night not knowing who's going to win. And, yeah, with, with six chances. Just before we go, who would we want to see win? Of those six, who would we want to see win it the most? I'm, I'm
2: a Clayton Oliver fan. I, I love Lockie Neal, but he's had his turn. Um, and, again, I just think Clayton Oliver sort of he quite often gets overlooked when we talk about absolute superstars and genuine
1: best players in the competition.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tuke Miller, a second Gold Coast Suns Brownlow winner in
1: uh, 12 years? Pretty good pretty good record. It's strike, right? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think Miller would be a wonderful story if he won. Um, and speaking of players that get overlooked, you only have to look at last year's Brownlow. But I'm kind of with Christian. I think Oliver is Oliver's playing at a level and has been playing at that level now for about three years where if his if he didn't win a Brownlow, you'd look at him and say, gee, he was... He was one of the greats of the modern era to not win a Brown. I think that's how good his career trajectory is looking. So, yeah, I think of the players out there, I think Oliver's the one that deserves it. So, um, yeah, be a there fun we one.
0: Yeah, let's leave things there. Hopefully you've uh, learned a thing or two. As always, if you are going to be betting on anything, anything like this, please do so carefully and uh, consider... Your personal circumstances when been doing this. Christian, thanks for joining us. Jake, uh, all your research for a year. Well, uh, it's it's on the line now. And after the Brownlow Night, our very next podcast, we'll be sure. We either frame it all yep, and put it on the or wall burn or we burn it. That's yeah. the thing. So uh, to everyone at home, we'll speak to you in the next episode.
1: Listen to all the latest episodes by subscribing to the ESPN Footy Pod, wherever you get your podcasts.